The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your recap episode for this week's Arnold Palmer Invitational. And joining me to break it all down, Mark Immelman is here. Mark, how are you? I'm exhausted. I can only <laughs> imagine what the golfers must be like. No, but good. Uh, what a great event. It's always neat for me once in a while to see Pa be a valuable score, and Pa certainly was a valuable score this week. My goodness. Speaking of exhausted, Mark, I've started my day at the long drive in Mesquite and yeah. I'm ending my day watching these guys get their butt kicked at Bay Hill. I've never been so exhausted watching others hit golf balls. Cause that's a lot of energy being expended in both of those scenarios. <laughs> I can imagine uh, Yeah. The long drive is purely physical and then Bay Hill is purely mentally and emotional, mental and emotional. Yeah. It's, it's the thing. Well, I can speak for the players here because a colleague of mine, Robert Dameron is a member there at Bay Hill. So you know, he hangs out in the uh, the player the men's locker room when he's not working, and so he gives us all the skinny there. and And he's like, after every round, the players would come in there, sort of have the hat halfway on the back of their head like this, take their shoes off, and just sit back and kind of get some sort of a drink and just go, "My goodness, this place just keeps on coming at you." And and they honestly will be worn out tonight, like Scheffler, for argument's sakes. Everyone's going up the 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 road to Ponte Vedra, you know, either tonight or tomorrow. I think tonight there won't even be that big a celebration. It'll be like a few drinks and just pass out because it, it is just it was four grueling days and and each day it just appeared that the golf course got more taxing and just more punitive. Yeah, it really did and uh, and almost followed that exact line statistically on Thursday it was just a hair over par on Friday it was about uh, 2.3 shots over par on Saturday. It was two strokes over par, but here on Sunday, Mark, a grueling three and a half strokes over par. And what you were telling me before we went hot, you just said, there's no, there's no let up. There's just no easy stretch on this golf course. No, well, the easy stretches are supposed to be like four and five and six on the front, uh, four, both par fives and a short four. Well, they weren't playing that easy. Then you turn, um, seven, eight, and nine, they're just brutal. Then you're supposed to have 10, which is a let up. It was easy ish, but still not, a, not, not easy. Then it comes at you. Uh, 11 is mean. 12, the par five wasn't that easy. 13 cross wins. It's a short four. It's supposed to be easy. It was difficult. And then that place was just, it's like Bay Hill had hit you a few times. Then when you turn to 15 and you come in, even with 16, the par five in there, it was like, okay, you down. Now I'm just going to pummel you until you get to the clubhouse. And it was essentially survival. It was like first in was going to win. And when Gary uh, Woodland came to our hole after making Eagle on 16, I was I said to my announced colleague, Chris McKendry, I was like, he posts, that's it. 
and then he fell foul. Before that, Tyrrell Hatton gets through us four under. I'm like, if he gets to five somehow, that's good enough. And uh, it, it certainly was a survival. It was a war of attrition. Uh, well, the winner of said war was Scotty Shuffler, who has just cashed in his second victory in his last three starts. And this one was obviously impressive, Mark. You get a very difficult golf course. You get a strong field. You get an elevated event like the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And he really hit some uh, shots coming down the stretch. I think of uh, the par that he made on 15 from way left and Basically advanced his next shot 25 yards in front of him. Even the par he made on 16 with an awkward stance above the bunker after his drive. I mean, this was really a, a testament to some of the recovery shots that Scotty was able to make to eventually seal the deal. Well, golf is a game of recovery. And when conditions get like this, you know, it would make sense that the ball striker would prevail. But, you know, you've got to, even if you strike it well, likely have to chip or pitch or putt, and then you miss a tee shot in the rough, and all of a sudden you can't advance it, and then you have to somehow make the score. And and that's what Scotty did. You know, he made some unreal saves. You point out the one on 15. Mm-hmm. That, to me, almost won the event for him. And then um, he had some quality shots coming in, sort of down the stretch. 17 was a really good one into the heart of the green after, after Hovland buries it in the bunker on the right-hand side. But he did what he needed to do. And look, it was a masterclass by him. I think two points I'd like to make. I feel like outlasting Patrick Cantlay at uh, Phoenix, who's an assassin. I mean, that Cantlay is cold-blooded. Outlasting him sort of galvanized Scotty's son. And you could see him draw on some of that experience yet through this tough final round. And then I got to tell you, man, I give a big assist to Ted Scott, his new Mm -hmm. caddy. Um, after every par, every putt, every shot, st- Ted is right on his wing. And Ted is like, yes, with a smile. Yes, with a fist bump. Uh, when Scotty two-putted for par on 17, our cameras had a close-up on him. And Ted Scott was in there and he, with a smile on his face. And here's a guy who's getting beaten up by a golf course. He's got a one-stroke lead. And he looked as pleased as punch, smiling, relaxing. And I credit Ted for that. And I feel like that addition to the 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 Sheffler team has been incredible. And man, they two victories in the last three starts, I think it is for the two of them. You better watch out because they are a good combination. Yeah, the team, the team. We hear players say that all the time. We don't talk as much about that here on the first cup, but we probably should. We knew kind of what type of player Scotty Scheffler could potentially be, Mark. And now with the addition of Ted Scott on the bag, uh, it doesn't happen often, but it feels like we got a little bit of that floodgate situation. The first victory uh, quickly leads to a second victory. And now we're going to enter a stretch of golf where having Ted Scott on the bag is going to be incredibly valuable. And if Scotty continues to play like this maybe he picks off another one really soon yeah and and you must bear in mind too that scotty has been a multiple winner at every level he's played in you know from when he was a junior golf golfer he was dominant he was dominant in high school winning the state championships and events all over the place went to the university of texas won multiple times over there then came out and then won his way onto the pg uh, well sort of worked his way onto the pga tour i should say and then It was some tough sledding, but he won the Rookie of the Year through some very consistent plays. So he was in contention a bunch, and that's where you learn at the highest level. We know he can close, and there was once or twice he didn't. But every single one of those, it's like he's taken that experience, 
put it in the hip pocket and said, okay, I've got something more that I've learned about how I'm going to perform when the heat is on. And and today, I mean, this was the ultimate in heat. This was major championship style heat with a severe golf course, severe conditions, tough competition. And he came through with flying colors. And to me, he looked the most calm out of every single one of the competitors. And so it's just proving that all of those winning experiences he's had, no matter what level they were, it's like they've culminated here. And then to your point, that handbrake is now loose. And now he's like two wins and three. Uh, let's go, you know. I, I love that temperament on Scotty Scheffler. And I think it's really valuable, Mark, when guys are going in the wrong direction, when they're going backwards. And if you make a bogey, okay, forget about it. Have the memory of a goldfish. Or if you hit one bad shot, don't let it compound itself. I feel like his temperament is really suited for these difficult events where par ends up being such a good score. Yeah, true. Don't forget that um, when he won in Phoenix, that was just a shootout over there. So, so he's proven that he can go when there's a birdie fest on the go. And now he's proven that he can outlast folks when it's just a war of attrition. And what a way to be able to sit back now after a major event coming up next week and go, good grief, my game is where I want it. My mind is where I want it. Uh, the He's outlasted a good field here in the same, a really good field in Phoenix as well. It's not like he's winning second tier events. And now you've got the players, and then you've got a match play event down in Austin where he knows the golf course well. He was a finalist there last year against uh, Billy Horschel. Let's not forget. So, uh, there's a lot of good stuff on the horizon for Scotty Scheffler. Hey, you want to get, let's continue down that path there. He's got two straight top 20s at Augusta National. He's got Ted Scott on the bag, who's very familiar uh, around green jackets. I mean, th this really is setting up to be a stretch of golf here, Mark. This is it. I just I just hope he stays injury free. Uh, that's, I, I hope that for every golfer. I hope that he doesn't trip going downstairs. Or I hope that he doesn't you know, pick up a bag traveling somewhere in an airport and twist something you know the stupid little injuries that can niggle one just keep getting rest keep sticking to your process i know it sounds trite but keep doing what you've been doing you know let's ride this wave until it tosses us because it's going to right now though he is it's plain sailing and it's time to make hay He's flying up the leaderboards. So now number one in the FedEx Cup standings, number five in the official world golf rankings. And we always, you know, we've had Scotty in the top 20 of the OWGR for a while, but now he's kind of ascending to a different level. I'm sure it is kind of a change in confidence for him, but we're starting to see what the ceiling for him really could end up being. And I'll be honest with you. I knew he was good, but I didn't see like top five in the world. I thought, okay, he can be a top 20 player, maybe a top 10 player. But now all of a sudden on the heels of this run, he's a top five guy. And the beauty about way the, the way these rankings are stacking for him is that he's got points dropping off and all the stuff he's gaining, this is going to stick around for two years. So yeah. he can start to now, because that rolling scale, start to really build on this sort of stuff and uh, – and then when you start to have the rankings change in the middle of the year, when they mix some of the strokes gain stuff in there to sort of, I don't know, balance the thing and use that element too, who knows what might transpire. But right now he's gaining points and points are sticking and he's got stuff dropping off from a few years ago. Yeah, he, he might even climb up further. I, I see a top three here in the very near future.
Yeah, his his next seven events that are going to drop off. There's only one top fifteen finish in there, three missed cuts. So he's gonna be he's gonna be get, getting rid of bad results and replacing them likely with very good results. So he's yeah, gonna be hanging there. Thing. And that's the crazy thing. Now look, there's big points next week because the field is so strong. Um, and then he'll probably take a week off for Valspar, and then it's the match play where he's done well. And then it's the Texas Open where he's done well. And then it's Augusta. So I'm keen to see the scheduling windows because he will need a break after all of this stuff. But you're right. Uh, there's big points out in front. He's playing well. And he's got those missed cuts dropping off. I mean, good gravy. He could he could almost take a week off and climb the world rankings. Uh, he, he certainly might be able to do just that. Scotty Scheffler's second career victory now on the resume. As I mentioned, he is number one in the FedEx Cup standings, and he will wake up tomorrow morning as the number five ranked player in the world. We've got to talk about how the rest of this leaderboard shook itself out because there was a half a dozen guys who could have won this golf tournament with just a few holes to go. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there, and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order, plus free shipping. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law and we're back this chase pack, Mark, it flipped yeah. itself on its head. The final group was Taylor Gooch and Billy Horschel. Gooch went out, shot a 77. That's five over par. He finished T7. Billy Horschel got off to a horrible start. He went out in 40. Mark, that's four over, grinds it back, makes birdie on 12, makes birdie on 15, at least gives himself a chance on 18, where if he rolls in a putt from... 29 feet he would have gotten himself into a playoff with scotty scheffler so nice to see billy climb back into this thing after a slow start yeah well look no one was immune to the rough starts i mean certainly of the afternoon wave i was looking through numbers and i saw that will zalatoris went out in 44 which was eight over par with a number of double bogeys so the front line was just playing downright hard and last night we said uh, we like you got to get through the first few holes here to keep yourself relevant and sadly for our final group they essentially, well, Billy hung in there, but Taylor played his way out of the thing. And it was the guys who sort of survived that had a chance over the back nine and had a chance to close the thing out. Certainly Tyrrell Hatton, 
Um, Gary Woodland was the same deal. Horschel came back. Um, and Hideki Matsuyama, I mean, he, he played his way into top 20, coming from like 50th, shooting just uh, two under par this morning. So it was nuts. It was nuts. And the golf course was was relentless. And, and if you didn't have your best stuff, it was going to get you. Yeah, that's certainly for sure. Let's add another voice to the mix here. Let me bring him in, Kyle Porter, KP. Welcome. Hey, what up? How are we doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm exhausted. How are you? I've got some takes. Of course you do. Where do you want to start? We've we've done Scotty, but if you want to circle back, obviously we're happy to do so. We just we just got to the chase pack, so it's really wherever you want to go. Well, I'll, I'll catch up with Scotty real quick, and then we can move on. I think the only thing I would say about him is – and I said this about Neiman after he won Riviera. I think it's great that Scotty's won two of the four best events that we've had so far, at least strength of field wise, because this is the clip that he plays at. He put statistically, he plays at a top 20 level and he has for two years. And now, now after the last month, he's got, you know, two wins that are kind of commensurate with, with playing at that level. We talk about this all the time. Like, do your statistics match up to your wins? And for Sheffler, they didn't coming into the year, which we talked about a ton. Uh, and now they do because Phoenix and and Bay Hill with these fields is is big boy stuff. So I'm excited for him. I think it's great. Uh, yeah, he was rocking and rolling. I'll uh, I'll bounce this right back to you for the chase pack here because our our two guys in the final group they dropped off the uh, biggest threat to a non Scotty Scheffler victory for the majority of the day. KP was Victor Hovland, and uh, we saw kind of a full gamut of stuff from Victor over the course of Sunday. He made birdies on the back nine on 11 and 16. He made bogeys on 13, 15 and 17. How would you assess his Sunday performance? Well, it felt, it felt like I thought Hovland was going to win for most of the last few days. And I don't know if this is how it felt to you guys. It felt like he kind of gave it away. I don't know if that's the right term, but it felt like he, it felt like he should have won. And you know, Paul Azinger kept saying, well, he's three of 13 in, in bunker saves. And it's like, well, yeah, it's not good. But also, like, don't be in 13 bunkers, right? Like, I, I think sometimes, and this has been a criticism of Hovland, like the main criticism of him is short game's not that great, which it's gotten better. It's maybe not elite, but I think it's pretty decent now. I think maybe a more underrated criticism of him is that he sometimes just takes on the hero shot uh, when he doesn't necessarily need to. Now, Bay Hill's a little tough because those greens were so insane that you couldn't tell. It was hard to tell like what was a hero shot and what just got a bad bounce. And we'll talk about Rory's quotes here in a minute. But uh, I think both of those things led to him not winning. And it, you know, this is the one where it's like, hey, let's let's see Hovland. Like he's won a ton and he wins a lot, and I think that's great. But for to him, for him, like I'd love love to see him to I'd love to see him win a big boy tournament and this was his opportunity and he just he, he didn't he didn't close it out he had it right there and he didn't close it he admitted to us Rick uh, I think we had him feature groups Thursday or Friday and he shot a decent score remember he was leading or after the morning on Friday when he shot that 66 sort of before the bad the bad weather and the windiness rolled in and he's he admitted to Robert Dameron who was following him for us he was like I really didn't have my best stuff. I haven't been hitting the ball that well. Um, what I did well was recover. Um, if I hit the ball badly, I sort of salvaged the par. And if I hit it well, I was able to capitalize. And when you're in a place like that, look, the recovery, like I'd mentioned earlier, on a difficult golf course like this is paramount. 
but if then when you do hit it close and you don't capitalize as much, then that forward momentum that you were garnering sort of goes away because you save a par, then you pick up the odd birdie, then you keep moving forward. Now, everyone was moving backwards, but he didn't seem to me like um, he was able to convert when he did hit good shots. And then when you start trying to, to Kyle's observation, then you start trying to force the issue a little bit. Like to me, that mistake that he made there on 17 was desperate. The wind's out of the right. He hits like a pulled fade normally. He aims right and carves across it. And it's a heavy sort of a fade. And anything left of that right hole location there, even if you're attacking, is fine. If you're hitting anything right, then you are like DOA. And to miss over there where he missed with a wind out of the right, that was just silliness. He wasn't he wasn't supposed to hit the thing there ever. Which hole was that, Mark? On 17, the second to last hole. Oh, gosh, that was a horrible position. Well, this is the thing. He's tied right now. He's playing with, a, with the guy he's tied alongside. He's got the honor. And then you go and hit, hit the thing on the green, you know, just like Scotty did right after him. Yeah. Now the putter to be the superstar. And to me, that was almost like he's like, well, geez, I, I've got to try and sting one in there closer so I can capitalize. And, and to comes up a smart observation, in my opinion, that, Maybe it was too aggressive because that shot was not warranted. But I feel like the fact that he didn't have his best stuff, he was trying to essentially force the issue. Yeah, and that's the sort of shot that I'm talking about. I remember it a lot at the PGA last year at Kiowa. He he would try to hit these just heroic shots that sh I'm sure he can hit them. But is that the wisest play in that situation to win the golf tournament? I don't know. And, and maybe it was a miss hit. I, I, I don't Who knows? Uh, he probably talked about it afterward. But uh, yeah, the one on 17 was just that was such a bad so he had no chance from there i'm i'm pretty sure aggressive is his middle name mark and even the shot he tried to take on on 18 and it's it gets stuck on the fringe but i mean he does he stares down flags that's what he does yeah well he should and look he's got the chops to win major championships he's got all of the tools the short game is functional enough now and he, he's turned turning to me into a beautiful putter i'm not sure what the statistics say and we know he can hit it but you've got to have that major championship style demeanor it's like if woods was playing today and i look tiger's generational but tiger would have been ironing off tees he would have been hitting at the middle of every green you know he would have just allowed the the the, the competition to beat themselves because let's be honest victor shoots 72 today and we're not having this conversation he wins by two then and i know it was hard but 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 pardon me, not Victor, um Horschel, but Victor's in position to shoot something around par and still win the tournament. So so, so to me, a, a lot of it, you must just start to allow the fact that golf is a kind of a marathon and he's likely to outlast folks if he just does the right thing all the time. I, he said, I got a quote real quick yep. and then go ahead. Uh, he said, obviously I'm play playing some great golf, but this one stings. My last couple wins, I felt like it came out of, uh, I think he's saying I felt like they those wins kind of came out of nowhere because he came from way back in Dubai. Uh, this one more was more like I felt like I should have won. Those sting a little bit, so I, I think it's kind of the same kind of tantamount to what we've been saying. I, I want to move on to Rory and, and Gary Wilden in a second here, but I think the round four statistics and at least what I saw for Victor. Um, very much aligned with kind of the situation that we had at Bay Hill. So he gains like four and a half strokes 
ball striking off the tee on approach. He was phenomenal. Second best of the day behind Terrell Hatton, but he lost another three in the short game, one around the green. He lost and two with the putter and Mark, the way that I see Bay Hill is for a guy like Victor, it essentially magnifies his strengths and it magnifies his weaknesses, right? So when he is just pumping driver in places that, some of these other guys can't take it. I, I mean, that is just a huge advantage to him, but getting into some of those situations on these crispy greens or around these greens, it just seems like both ends of the spectrum for him get magnified at a course like that. That's a really savvy way to look at it. And I like what you have to say there because Bay Hill to me ordinarily is a second shot golf course this week with a rough as lush as what it was. And with a place playing with, I mean, the humidity was lower than I've ever, ever experienced at that tournament. So the place was like peanut brittle waiting to happen. And then you get sunshine all four days. Those greens were going to be like hard as rocks, and they were. So as a result, to me, the second shot element of the game kind of went away. So if you're playing out of the fairway, you've got a chance to put it in there somewhere. So, so yeah, but then when you're bouncing a few balls through greens, you know, you hit a bunch of greens in regulation, but you don't have the ball end on the green in regulation. That means you've got to chip and putt. And uh, that was sort of the situation. But there are targets that are awkward, like 17, 11, that are sit angles to you. So you have to be precise with where your start lines are and, and what your targets are. Uh, Rick, say that again about – were you talking about Hovland there? What was your point? I, I was. I just think that uh, what we saw today, and maybe it's this type of golf course at Bay Hill where both his strengths get magnified and his weaknesses get magnified because he was phenomenal on Sunday off the tee and on approach, and he gave back nearly all of that – in the short game categories. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's, I mean, and maybe this can lead into the Rory conversation. Rory was talking on Wednesday about how in like, instead of like short grass around the greens at Bay Hill, and I've only been out there. Mark's been out there way more than I've, I have, I've only been out there once, but instead of having the short grass around the greens, they grew the rough up, which he was arguing. And I don't, this, I, I have, I'm out of my world here, but he was arguing that uh, that makes it easier. Like that makes everybody come closer together. It makes it harder for guys that are actually have really good short games. Like he wants uh, no rough because it, it lets you display creativity in a good short game. And so on that basis, it would, I would think that uh, Hovland would be helped a little bit. Now, obviously not all of that was in the rough like he was in the same he was in so many bunkers yeah yeah, so maybe that like kind of kind of negates it but i thought that was an interesting point by rory and and uh yeah i I, and i i don't know if it's easier or harder i think i like watching the short stuff like the 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 not rough better than i like watching the rough but that was uh that was just i don't know an intriguing comment that he kind of doubled down on on sunday uh, that is very appropriate, obviously. I mean, we know he's a deep thinker and he's very cerebral about his approach to the game. Uh, the rough around the greens mitigates short game skill. It, it always will because everyone's just hitting splash shots out of the out of the grass. Uh, the thing about this grass, though, it was so dense at times that sometimes the ball would dive all the way down to the bottom of it. And sometimes you'd get a ball that sort of just sits up enough so you can slide the leading edge underneath the thing. So guessing the lies was difficult. And so that was part of the problem around the greens to me. And then when you're playing from rough to greens this firm, you have zero control because control to these golfers means they can control the spin on the ball. And when you're playing from the rough, that is instantly gone. And that's why, like you saw the number of bunker shots you were hitting up, 
because there was a number of times I guarantee you that when you 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 sort of forced to a decision where you got to pick okay on the green not going to land there or in the bunker or the rough you'll hear the caddy going in the bunker over there behind the flag is okay because you got room to work with so that's guy like the US Open in many instances guys were not necessarily hitting there but setting up a shot that if they miss and the ball doesn't stay on the green, it ends in the sand, which makes life a little bit easier. So there was some of that brought to bear as well. Yeah, it, for for sure. I love that. I love that um, analysis there. So the winning score was five under par. Gary Woodland, KP, walks to 17T at six under after just making eagle at 16 and it felt like we might have had a Gary thievery of this win away from everybody else. He would go on to make a uh, double at 17. He got stuck in that front bunker and could not get it out. And then to add insult to injury, he made another bogey at 18. But Gary almost came in and swiped this thing. Well, first of all, I don't know how he got his his driver trajectory over the hedge on on uh, 15. <laughs> I mean, he hits it about three feet off the ground. I thought it was going to just you know, clip the top of that. Uh, second, there's probably not a lot of guys that have finished this tournament three, five, five. Yeah. Right. He goes, he goes three, five, five on 16, 17, 18. And I'm trying to remember. Oh, he, he had that kind of whiff out of the bunker on not whiff, but he, he couldn't get out of the bunker on 17. Yeah. And again, it's like you, you have to like, he just, he put himself in such bad positions on 17 and the drive on 18 and and uh, somebody was oh Terrell Hatton was talking about this. He he got off the course early because he was uh, early leader. He was at four under. And no no no, it was uh, it was Lucas Her- Herbert. 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 <laughs> I was trying. He's to call Australian. Mark. He's not French. He's Australian. <laughs> Lucas Herbert. Lucas Herbert. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What what a sixty eight that he shot. By the way, he was talking about how. You get to you get to seventeen and eighteen, and it's like, oh my gosh! Like these these pins are a joke. He said the pin on eighteen. He's like, you can't really tell from the tee, and then you get to your ball in the fairway, and you're like, it's barely on the green. What am I supposed to do here? <laughs> and uh, to to not to be out of position on uh, on in those two on those two holes with a lead. I mean, you you have to you have to know, and this goes back to what Mark was saying. You have to know if you've got the lead there, you go par par, you're gonna you're gonna win. I mean, like those two holes, those last three holes, or I guess the last two are so hard, and it just didn't feel like he. I don't know, maybe miss hit on 18, but it didn't really feel like he played to that on 17. Well, what you say there is so true. And when we had feature groups coverage this morning, we had Deki Matsuyama who shot that round of 70, right? So that final round hole location on 18, the effective landing area you had from the fringe, just beyond the rocks to the back fringe, was nine yards. So 27 feet, okay? And you got a crosswind and you're coming out of the fairway. Even that's dicey. because. Yeah, you'd never stick it in there. So what you would do, even though you're attacking, is, is you just move your target, I don't know, 15 feet left to the – because the boomerang would widen there, and there was more room from front to back. But the problem is you hit it 20 feet left, and then you've got a putt from 30 feet downhill with no friction on the greens. There was almost zero chance you were going to two-putt from there. So it's a situation where I can see why Lucas said what he did. He's like, you hit it 30 feet left and you're struggling to two putt. You hit the thing at the flag and you 
pitching or you're in the water. So it was an impossibility. I mean, the, the tests were just so hard this week. After really 18 months of injury and poor play, Gary Woodland has not only this, uh, what did he officially finish? T5 this week, but a T5 at Honda KP. We're, we're seeing promise and we're seeing Gary play well again. Yeah, which is great. He he's uh he's super fun to watch. I loved that that uh Pebble US Open that he won. That was that was a, such a fun event to to be at and to cover and uh to watch him. He didn't have very many I was looking at his results before Honda. They weren't very good, but uh yeah, last two going into the I presume he's he's in the players field, but going into the players have been have been solid. If you want to see Look, Dustin Johnson's attitude to competitive golf is, is incomparable. But if you want to see a fantastic attitude to the game and to success and failure, it's gets Gary Woodland. This guy just seems to have both hands on the wheel. He never gets too up. He never gets too down. He's one of those golfers that when most folks, when panic would set in, it looks like things always slow down for him. And, you know, he's had some life events, you know, with a loss of one of his twins that have sort of put things into perspective. Then he had this gruesome injury. I mean, he was really struggling with that hip. And, and for a while, he was like doubtful if he would ever really play at a high level again. So now it's all bonus to me. So the way he's beginning to play, he's brought Mark Blackburn in. The golf swing is getting sounder. Uh, I can see this form sort of continuing because of his attitude and the fact that he has some traction with his golf swing. Uh, Gary Woodland is certainly in the field next week at the players. Ryan Brem now in the field as well. Hayden Buckley moved to alternate number one. Rory McIlroy. Yeah. We've got to have the Rory Rory conversation here because he opened up on Thursday, KP, with a 65, and we crowned him. It's over. Rory opening rounds. Nowhere to go but here. He's going to win by five, six shots. Uh, 72, 76, 76 over the final three rounds drops to T 13. We lose all that sweet money in the one and done, but, uh, probably, (laughs) probably, probably pains Rory a bit more than it pains us. Yeah. And if you look at the overall numbers, it's, um, so it's two things. It's one that I was a little scared of with actually both of them. I was a little scared of it was regression with the putter, which has been really hot recently. He didn't put that well. And two, his approach play, especially after Thursday was very mediocre. And that's been a concern at, at least at times for the last several years, like the last five, six years, sometimes it's not, but other times it, it really is. And, uh, it's, yeah, it just, I don't know. Like, I I don't even know. I didn't see a lot of him on Friday. And then the weekend was just not good. I I do have some quotes here from him. Do you want me to read them? Uh, Do you want to jump in now, Mark? Or do you want to do the quotes first? No, go go with the quotes. Let's quote it up. So he said, uh, I'm frustrated and I'm like, I'm venting here and I'm frustrated. I think as well as the frustration it's a carbon copy of what's happened the last three years here. I started off really well with 66 or 65. Friday afternoon conditions got tougher. Then over the weekend, it's been the same sort of stuff. And then he goes on to say, I'm playing good. I'm hitting good shots. I'm swinging the club well. I'm chipping well. I'm putting well. But it can knock your confidence whenever the conditions are like this. I'm certainly playing better than eight over on the weekend. It's just a matter of trying to regroup and forget about this week. And then lastly, he says, they need to do something about it. 
He's talking about the golf course now, about Bay Hill, about the conditions. Oh. There's a lot of guys that sort of stay away this week to get ready for next week. Next week has become such a big event, $20 million purse. The four majors are sacred, but it's very close to being among them. Um, Conversation. <laughs> and then lastly, he says, I think it's just a golf course setup issue and maybe trying to make it a little less penal when you miss, I guess. Or not even less penal when you miss. I don't mind golf courses being penal when you miss, but it's not rewarding good shots. I think that's where it starts to get across the line. And I want Mark's take on this because he'll be he'll be better on it than I will. But when I hear that, I'm hearing um, take 17, for example, like the pin on Sunday on 17. If you try to hit a great shot like around that pin, you can't do like there, you, you can't like there's no option for a great shot. Right. Because if you landed even eight feet. There might not even be eight feet in, in like on the front of that green. It's just it's just running through. It's going over. So the only play really is to play to like to the back left where Scheffler did and try to two putt for par. And I think I think guys like Rory, they want courses where you have these options where you can have like a, a mediocre play, like a safe play. And then the other option is like you can go for uh, like the pin and hit a great shot and be rewarded or hit a bad shot and and not be rewarded like to have like it be penal but he's saying bay hill doesn't it's only the mediocre play and the and the and the uh like the 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 penal play like there is no reward for hitting great shots how do you interpret that well he's got a point um to 17 they did move the team ground up it's the first time in what the 10 years that I've been going to this event that I've seen them play that Ford T and they did it twice. So with a back right hole location, they gave the guys the option because I mean, we saw as little as wedge going in there with Cameron champ. And then we saw a few seven irons. So it was, you could get the ball in there because you were coming from on high. That was just 17 for argument six. Um, Rory also, I think struggled with the greens reading. Like you talk about the putting, and he says he's playing putting well. Like the Rory I saw in the the footage we had of him, the swing looked free. It looked like everything was operational, but it looked like he was misreading greens a bunch. A bunch. So we we asked him the question, and his commentary was the greens were getting so firm and fast that as soon as the ball left blade on the green, it would skid for a second and not grab the early break. So if you watched him, a number of the putts he was hitting, the good putts were missing high. And then when you get a little defensive, because now you've missed a few short ones, then the stuff starts missing low because you're swinging so smooth, so, so softly. So I think there was some of that was, that was brought to bear. And, and I hear your quote, and it's well-founded, Kyle, but I sort of hear Rory going, well, I'm, I'm frustrated. Maybe I'm just venting a little bit here. Um, I, I don't think it's time to concern yourself at all with this. Um, we're going to have a soft dish golf course at players this week. He's coming back to next week. He's coming back to a place where, you know, he's won before. The game is clearly sound enough. And, and I just feel like he's got to allow the thing to come to him. Like the tournament today could have came to him. He was playing alongside GMAC, who's not going to out-hit you. He's going to certainly out-grind you. And he was in the mix a little bit until a late mistake there. So if Rory, just because of what he's got, the the caliber, the horsepower that he has, if he goes and does his Rory stuff when it's going well, and then the rest of the time, you don't have to hit the, the hero shot all the time. Hit it 25 feet. Tiger did this in his entire career. Then you manhandle the par fives and you shoot 68. You do that four times at 12. So, so I feel like 
it's a little frustration talking there. He has a point. But the thing about Bay Hill, everyone, when you get there, they, you know that it's going to be a tough test. This week, I wouldn't say the tour staff was caught out, but the fact that the humidity was so low and there was no rain whatsoever, there was no amount of evening water on the green that would have softened those. They, they couldn't soften them. The only way those greens are going to soften is now with a bunch of rain coming into Florida next week because there was no spritzing early and uh, late in the evening that would save that. So uh, I'm talking a lot, but to say, look, that's some frustration. He has a point. I wouldn't be concerned because he really seemed like he had an issue reading greens to me. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, Producer Jacob, will you pull up uh, David Woodoff's most recent comment? He says, I don't, I don't, uh, yeah, my boy. Uh, he says, I honestly just don't like that take from Rory. We saw a lot of balls inside 10 feet on many holes today. Precise irons when playing from the fairway were rewarded. I think this is a fair take. I think that I think that Rory's iron play is not what it needs to be, is not what it used to be. And I think that is, you know, it's nitpicking with superstars like that because it's still really good, but it's just not at that. And it won't, it wouldn't ever be at the Morikawa level, but it's not, it's just not, it's not at that like tier below that, which I think is, if you look back at his major winning years is, is what it was. And, uh, and that's a problem. And I think that that's, that's just like, along with some of the, you know, like Mark mentioned the weeks where he's putting better or worse, but the thing that I look at over and over again is, is, uh, is the iron play, is his approach play consistently great? And there are just weeks where it's it's just not like this one. I will say this um, because, look, you're not going to flush the thing inside 15 feet all of the time. Tiger Woods made a, a career of hitting the ball 25 feet, hole high, 30 feet, you know, two putting those, three putt avoidance, essentially, and then birdieing par fives and then sort of wearing fields out that way. Rory's numbers this week, what was he in, in, in strokes gained approach? Were in the 20s or 30s or something like that? It was functional. Yeah, Rory gained uh, 2.75 for the week. Over the final three days, he was at, uh, it was much closer to zero. He was 0.9 in the positive. He was was 24th. And the guys that are in the top five are first, ninth, fifth. I mean, you just, I mean, you said it earlier, Mark. It's a a second shot course, and he didn't hit those shots. Well, Well, I wanted to say, to me, when I've called Rory winning, he does two things. He manhandles the par fives, yeah. and the par five production was down. And that's, you know, yeah, you got to hit good um, approach shots, but the par five production is him scoring from inside of 40 yards from the target. And then he never really made mistakes on par threes very much. He made threes on threes and fours on fives. And whenever he's played well, you look, you'll see that on the scorecard. When he shot 65, he played the par fives, five under in round one. So, yeah, the approach play could get ironed out some. I think the golf swing is good. I think he's on the track there. But he's got to do the par fives properly. When he produces on the par fives, then I think everything is solved. Okay, we've got to do our betting recap. We've got to do our one and done. We're going to take a quick peek at the players' championship odds. But, Mark, we are going to say goodbye to you here. I know i got to get you out of here. It's good chatting with you, and we'll catch up with you soon. I look forward to it. Take care. All right, that's Mark Immelman. You can find him on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. We're going to do our odds and ends, but we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. 
That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. KP, before we jump into this betting recap, John Rom lost four strokes with the putter again. This is now three straight events. You can see the frustration mounting. He was one of the top players in Tita Green for the week. Level of concern for old Rombo with the flat stick. Yeah, he was, uh, well, he was even better. Like if, ball striking, he was, I think, first by far because he was second in approach shots. Correct. Yeah, and fifth was. off the tee. And he was still third tee to green, even though he was almost last around the green. Yep. So yeah. I don't, I haven't looked at his, uh, let me pull it up here. <laughs> okay. His 2022 numbers putting and around the green. Uh, it's not great. He's had a couple of good putting weeks. Tournament of champions was a good, good short game week. Other than that, it's been either zeros or negatives. So, is it a concern in the long term? I don't know. Is it a uh, issue in the short term? Could be. I don't know that I would take him at the players next week based on like his recent data. I don't know. We've seen some bad putters do well at the players. JT, Sergio, Westwood, Connors. Yeah, but, but Rom, Rom's not a bad putter. He's just putting. Yeah, I know back. that's right. That's what I'm saying. That's why. So I think the the two paths for Rom at the players are he just gets back to his normal putting and he blows everybody out of the water because he's killing it in short gate or uh, in tee to green and ball striking. Or if he doesn't putt all that well, he can still kind of like like this this bad stretch for him is a t seventeen. A T21, a T10, a T3, and a T14. That's a bad stretch. <laughs> I know. His his ball striking is a joke. Like, it is. It's a joke. It's so, so good. And uh, do you, does it concern you when guys change putters? Like, he changed his putter a couple weeks ago. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> it concerns me when they change putters and their stats follow. There are a lot of times where guys change putters and you'll never know because you didn't hear about it because he wasn't the number one player in the world or his stats didn't change in one specific direction. It does concern me when, why, why did he change? Was, 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 was it not good enough? I know they're always trying to get better, but what was the, the reason? He got asked about this and I don't, I don't, uh, I think he got asked about it on Thursday, actually. Let me try, let me pull this up, see if I can find it here. I do. Uh, he, it's not great when it's immediately like showing up in the, and, and you can see it. Like, it's not even just the stats too. Like the guy is beyond frustrated on the surfaces. He said, uh, you meant, Oh, it was mentioned on the broadcast. You have a longer putter this week. Did you do anything to the putter? And he said, I love it when people make up stories. I'm going to clarify this right now because I heard it throughout. <laughs> that's a, that's a great way to start an answer. I heard it throughout my whole pro career. Since my senior year in college, the length of my putter hasn't changed. I'm not going to say who. One particular guy just starts making up the length of my putters. What a what a fascinating like corner to be on, just making up length of professional golfer golfer putters. Um, it's just over 37 inches, and it's been like that since my first semester of college. So he didn't address 
at least not here, he didn't address the putter change. That was mm. that was all I had from Thursday. Just making up the length of John Rahm's putter. Oh boy. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm probably not concerned, I guess is my final answer. I'd be more concerned if the approach stuff was like bouncing all around. Or the I mean, it's just it's almost like it's the old uh like uh, Mark Brody's book, uh, Every Shot Counts, he he goes back and looks at who won tournaments with negative strokes game putting. And it's tough to do. Uh, it it does happen. It happens more than if you than if you have negative T to green. But yep. like VJ Singh, I think, did it like five times. So like Rom, and and I guess that's what I'm saying is like Rom is playing well enough that he could he could, I don't know if negative, but he could be like a zero putter at the players next week and still like contend like to two, win. two quick trivia questions uh, i don't know if they're the last guys to do it but do you know the last guy to win while losing strokes putting uh how can you give me a hint on how recently i don't know if this is the last guy but the guy that i'm thinking of is within the last year within the last year negative yeah. i remember jason duffner did it at memorial like five years ago um within the last year was it a was it a small event or a big event Sizable. Was it uh was it Cantley at Memorial? Uh no, it wouldn't have been Cantley. Actually, I thought it, I, I'm wrong. I thought it was JT at the players, but it wasn't. I thought JT did it. Oh, he did it at he did it in at FedEx St. Jude, but that was over a year ago. So I bought yeah, that one. That was 2020, right? Yeah, that was the one I remember. Holy crap, time flies. <laughs> I could have thought I could have sworn that was like two weeks ago. <laughs> it does. It does happen. It's really rare. And you know, the guy has just hit the hell out of it for four straight days. And now again, Rom's capable of that. I just, I don't know. I trust his short game, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about him at the play. The players is the hardest tournament to pick. It's harder than the majors. It's my least favorite handicapping week of the year. I agree with that. I also, oh my God, this was also a lot longer ago than I thought. Uh, the last guy that I could find that won a tournament while losing from T to green, even more rare. Um, I knew the guy and I knew the tournament, but I, again, thought this was like last year. It was not. Mike, it was Michael Kim, John Deere. Oh, I'll have to look that one up. Kevin Na at Shriners in 19. Wow. Gained 14 strokes putting. I think Michael Kim gained 15 at the at the uh, John Deere. Look that up. Uh, while he's doing that, producer Jacob, would you pull up Woody's most recent comment? Uh, so so Woody says, thanks for watching, Woody, by the way, but 20 to 1 for Victor at the players next week. I'm all the way in. Victor in 2020 uh, at the, the, which this is crazy to go back two years ago and think about the Rudy Gobert stuff. And that whole week was like, just, oh. just insane. Like yeah. on a personal level, on a professional level, whatever. But Victor was playing awesome that day, uh, that Thursday. I think he was like four or five under more was four or five under. And it was, which sounds reasonable now, but it was before those guys had really like hit. I mean, they were still like kind of the new guy. I mean, they're still new, but they were, they were really new. They were just fresh out of college. And, they are. They were both playing great. I think Matthew Wolf played really well that first round. Anyway, twenty to one for Victor. The way he's playing, the way he's sitting the ball, you do get worried because Sawgrass again will punish you if you make bad choices, which we could see at 
16, 17, 18, any of those places. Um, but I'm, I'm way, I think 20 to one for Victor next week is too high. Uh, yeah, baby. Michael Kim, 2018 John Deere Classic gained 13 and a half strokes putting, but he also gained 1.2 off the tee. He also gained five on approach. He just ran away with that thing. I don't think he's made a cut since then. Um, not many. Not, not many of them. I can count them on one hand. Our bets, I can count our winning wagers on one finger. It was yours. Kyle, Chris Kirk does it again in Florida. You continue to silence the haters and you get a top 20 wager through at plus 240 on Chris Kirk, who quite honestly missed a couple of shorties coming in. Might have might have made a lot more money if if he could have hold a couple of those. I need some. I got my uh, I don't have any shades in here. I was going to put my hater blockers on. But uh, yeah, Kirk played great. Uh, didn't you feel like a lot of guys missed four footers all day on Sunday? Yes. I mean, I was, it was, I was calling my, my wife and I were sitting on the couch and I was, I was like, he's going to miss this. They both missed. I'm like, he's going to miss this. Missed it. I just, they all looked, everyone was missing everything. I do not envy the position they were in with how fast they were and everything that was on the line, but it, it felt like nothing fell. Yeah. It was shocking. I mean, and you know, granted like that, and I think that's some of the point that guys are making with greens like that. It's just, it's, it gets a little crazy. Um, but yeah, I just, I felt like there were a ton of three, four, five footers that you don't normally see missed, especially in Florida, that guys were m- missing all over the yard. So anyway, Kirk missed a lot of those. I thought he was going to win maybe for a little bit, but really impressive showing from him for his fourth straight top 15 at Bay Hill. So good. The guy that I backed, Luke List lost seven strokes with the putter. Now, that's not entirely unusual for Luke List, but to do it in two rounds, quite impressive. The fifth time in his career that he's lost seven or more strokes in a single event. I had him over Tommy Fleetwood and Lonto Griffin. No go there. Coach had Mark Leishman top 20 and KP. I'm pretty sure Leishman shot like, yeah, 78, 78. There were some 80s, 80 plus out there on Sunday. 87 for Troy Merritt on Sunday. Uh, Paul Casey went 77, 83. Yikes. I would have shot 130. And then made the turn. But I'm bump. Maybe. Yeah. Dude, it will, oh my God. Could you imagine? I would, there was, they, they kept showing the pins, and I was like, never in my life have I played a course with pins that close to the edge of anything and every hole they were on the edge of something. I mean, even just 17 and 18 were in just those two alone. And you had multiples of those all over the course. It was, yeah, it was crazy. There was a, there was kind of a debate going on on Twitter. Ben Coley from the sporting, not news sporting life. I was wondering if you were going to get that one. Uh, He had a tweet. I'll pull it up because I'm curious about your thoughts on it. He said, I think I retweeted it Uh, always surprises me and therefore it probably shouldn't that a lot of people find this sort of test to be golf at its best purely because it's hard. It's not that I mind it uh, for what it is, but, but blimey, he's the word blimey. (laughs) Yeah. He's from overseas. Yeah. (laughs) There are so many better versions of the sport than hard for the sake of hard. Give me your thoughts, right? Gaming. 
hard for the sake of hard or X for the sake of X is probably never a good thing in golf nor life. So I'm, I'm there. I'm so far. I'm in Uh golf sport for uh, hard for the sake of hard. There are many better versions of the sport. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So hard for the sake of hard. I like fair. And to me, fair is, uh, good shots are rewarded and bad shots are punished. And when you start to hear guys like Rory, who were saying we've crossed the line, good shots are not being rewarded. Then maybe there are better versions of what we saw at Bay Hill. So I'm, I think I, I tend to lean with Ben here. Yeah. I mean, there's, it, it's so hard because there's no, there's no perfect setup. And people are like, oh, you mean like Augusta National? It's like, well, Augusta National is like one of one. Like there's 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 no other course like like it in the world. You can't go to Augusta National every week. I'm sorry. And that's not what Ben was saying here. But I think that it's, again, I, I just, I keep going back to 17. Scotty Shuffler playing to the middle of the green, whereas other guys are trying to hit this impossible perfect shot at the pin. There's no... It, it 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 almost it just reduces choices, I think. And and this was a little bit of Ben's point, is he was saying when you grow the rough up and when you grow it up around the greens, it just reduces options. And the thing that makes golf interesting at this level is options. When guys can try to hit, like legitimately try to hit heroic shots that could work out if they hit it great. Whereas you 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 don't have that when the rough is like three feet tall. Now this is a different style and, and I'm okay with it. Like, I don't, I, I it's, I'm not like bemoaning it. Like this should never happen on the PGA tour. I think it's okay. And it's fun to kind of see guys struggle, but I, I definitely agree with him that there are more entertaining versions of professional golf at this level than what we saw on Sunday. How many versions that are better do course superintendents control? Because I'd argue, get us out to get us out to St. Andrews in twenty-five mile an hour winds, and let's just see what happens. Um, but well, I think that's a little bit the thing that's frustrating about Bay Hill is you seem to get a lot of wind, which is that's your that's your deal. That's what makes it hard. But then they add in all this other stuff with the really high rough and maybe some ridiculous pins, and it just I don't know. Like it, it it's. Um, like sometimes this will happen at this happened at Aaron Hills where it's like they set it up probably easier than a Bay Hill thinking, okay, we're going to get wind and that's going to make it like the perfect test. Well, if you don't get wind, then it's just easy. Like it just makes it easy. And so I think wind is such a huge factor in all of this and you can't, it's hard because we're always we're always asking for harder setups and tougher courses, and it's like, well, they gave it to us, but then you get wind, and it's like, well, this is kind of ridiculous. Like, there you can't even like hit good shots. So, I don't know. I I think we're very much nitpicking courses, but I understand what Ben is saying. My favorite setup in recent memory: uh, Royal Melbourne for the Presidents Cup. Oh, it was it was unbelievable. Perfect for me. That's perfect. I thought Kiowa was perfect too. Kia was great. Yeah. Kiowa was tremendous. Um, they got win, not too much. It was just, oh, 
And I think somebody said that Padre Harrington, I think, was like, this was the best major championship setup that I've ever seen. He also finished T4, so he was excited about the week. Uh, yeah, the guy who finishes uh, 104 doesn't feel the same way. Uh, Jacob in the chat throwing out concession as his option. He says that was a fun setup. I remember it being hard. I don't remember how fun, but that's just, I don't remember it. I'd have to go back and. Yeah, it seemed, uh, it seemed a little more hard for the sake of hard, maybe not as much as Bay Hill, but a little like leaning on, on that side. Mark had Keith Mitchell as his top American. And obviously with Scotty Scheffler wing, that did not come true. One and done. (laughs) The one and done update. Oh boy. Yep. 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 Let them have it. The chat is here. They're excited about this part because with Matt Fitzpatrick and $339,000, Kyle. This is the, stupid. The fans have taken two weeks <laughs> and passed you. They're now at $1.4 million. This is like the pace car passing like a, I don't even know. I've, I don't watch race car driving, but it seems like it seems like the emergency vehicle passing like one of the actual racers in the middle of a race. That's what it feels like. Rory got Rory getting 228 out of a out of a 65 on Thursday is just not what I wanted to see. Uh, hold on one second that you ha- you have to have more money than that. Didn't you start the week with that? Hold on a second. Are we sure? Are we sure Kyle's numbers are added up here correctly? 1.26. One point. No, but they're not. You missed a zero, Jacob. So hold on. AP, I'm I'm happy to inform you <laughs> that for one more week, you're back. You're back above the fans. I'm so back. We, we had you in the in the spreadsheet as uh, twenty two thousand. I just changed it to two hundred and twenty eight thousand. So you are at one point five oh four. So we can see we can save the pace car conversation for next week. <laughs> This this is like we need this backed by by the uh, crypto ledger or some the blockchain. I don't trust the the human element here. We need Grant Thornton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do. Uh, the, okay, the chat, the faint these these maniacs in the chat right now say they're going Morikawa next week, and you know what? Morikawa is not going to win because everybody's picking him. Although Hideki won when everybody picked him. That's true. T9, Matt Fitzpatrick, 339. Kyle, you, me, Jacob, coach, 228,000. Not, and actually, Jacob, we might have to make sure the rest of these are right. Uh, 228,000 for us. However, you know, we had dreams for 10 times this on Thursday. Sorry, I was I was trying to look at my <laughs> I was looking at my one and done who I have left. Uh, yeah, we did, and it just it, well, and even as the weekend progressed, you're like, well, okay, he's not going to win. He can still get a T six out of it. You can get your five hundred or whatever. And then today, it was just like I saw him hit that ball in the water on was it fourteen that they showed, and you're like, oh my gosh, like he's gonna he almost finished tied with Rom. I know. It was God. so disappointing. And it was the first time he's finished outside the top 10 here in the last six years now. It was just, I don't know. It was a bummer. Here's the updated standings. These are the correct ones here. So the order is wrong, but the numbers are correct. So KP, 
1.5, fans 1.4. Sia went with Mark Leishman. He only got 24,000 thanks to a T68. He's at 1.7. So the fans and Kyle bearing down on him. I'm closing in on 3 million. I'm at 2.9. Jacob went with, okay, he had Rory. That's 3.5. Oh, Greg also took Mark Leishman. Oh, that's nice. And Mark, okay, I mean, we made up ground, KP, because Mark and uh, Mark and Greg didn't get much here. Yeah, I just, I need a winner next week and I'm back in it. I need a solo winner and I'm back in. It's three and a, three and a half, three, six. Three, six. I might pick like, I might, I might take like Harry Higgs or something. Just something absurd. Uh, there was a comment in the chat. I don't know if I have it. I don't have it handy because it was a while ago, but someone said your best bet should just be whoever you pick. Like you should pick that person in the one and done. You're smoking the best bets. Why are you not just picking I that saw, person? As your I one saw that. So Chris Kirk at, at Bay Hill in the third best field of the year. Could you imagine? I should have. Could you imagine? Uh, uh, I feel I'm already just nervous about this pick next week. There's so much riding on it. If I don't, if I don't get next week, then I just have. I don't know if I have a shot because the, the yeah, it's just so much money. Do do we have the odds board, Jacob? Let's look at this because I I was a little bit worried that Rory was going to win. Not worried because I would have loved it if Rory was going to win this week and then he was going to be co favorites with Rom going into the players. But uh, let me pull up. Well, maybe Jacob can pull up the odds for me uh, for for next week. And I'm looking at I'm looking to see who like Mark has available. Mark's Mark is going to use Rory next week, like 100. percent Is that wise? No. I don't think he will. Mark, I think Mark thinks Rory's going to win St. Andrews. Mark has a lot of guys left. Mark can it, use... It's, it's a problem. He can use anybody. He could use Rom, Morikawa, Rory. He could use Cantlay. No, he can't use Cantlay. But he's he's got bullets. Do we have odds? Do you I'll have pull up odds. odds. I'll pull okay. up. The, the, I, I got to get them. Our friends over at Caesars are. Uh, I gotta. I gotta pull up the website real quick. Here we go. So odds: John Rom eight to one, Roy McElroy, Justin Thomas fourteen, Colin Morikawa sixteen, Victor Hovland, Patrick Cantlay at twenty. Let's start there. Cantlay missed the cut here last year, and it was very ugly and weird. But he's been basically flawless since then. Yeah, but it's a big event, and he has not. He's not played that well at big events. One top 10 at the majors. It, it's, it seems like it should fit him perfectly, right? I think that's the, that's the kind of oddity there is Cantlay and, and TPC Sawgrass should be perfect fit. I can't believe Mark Howe is 16. Yeah, 16 to 1. 16 to 1. Xander, what, 22. What, okay, Xander's interesting. I mean, he'll finish T2, but at least you'll get like... One, Two mil out of him. Oh yeah, even finishing second in this thing is like <laughs> it's the week of the year. <laughs> Jordan Spieth twenty eight to one. He has not no, historically no. played well. No yeah. shot. He yeah. he had one good finish here. It was the Martin Keimer year. I think it was fourteen when he almost won the Masters. It was it was Keimer, Furyk, and Spieth at the end, and and ever since then he's just been he's done play that course well at all. I'm just trying to see some notables here. In no world should Patrick Reed and Paul Casey have the same odds. They're 50 to one. Joaquin Neiman is there as well at 50. 
Abraham, they just they just lumped everybody else at 50. Connors, Horschel, Adam Scott, Abraham Answer, Terrell Hatton, all of them. I think Adam's, Adam Scott's interesting. He's playing well. Mm-hmm. Playing Wait, really well. He finished T4 at Riviera? I didn't realize that. You know who's been awesome? And he's not going to win next week, but I'm very excited for Cam Young, who just will not stop. He had another T13 this week. So that is a stretch of golf. Hold on. I'm going to pull this three, up. Three straight top 20s? And like in, and he had, no, and one of them was the runner up finish. Okay. So he finishes T, whatever I just said this week, 13, 16, whatever that was, 13. So T13, T16 at Honda, runner up at Genesis, T26 in Phoenix, T20 at Tory. That's a heck of a five event stretch. Yeah. He's been, he's been really good. My wife and daughter want to give their takes on the players. They're about to come in. Nope. Um, Actually, their takes would be probably better than mine, given <laughs> given what given what let, I should just I should let I should them pick the one and done. Yes, I, that's what I'm going to do. I'm gonna I'm gonna crowdsource my one and done for the players to my kids. Here's who you can't use of the notables, and there are many. You cannot use Victor Hovland, you cannot use Colin Morikawa, you cannot use Xander Shoffley, you cannot use Scotty Scheffler, you cannot use Daniel Berger, and you cannot use Rory McElroy. You have emptied the chamber and you've got 1.4 to show for it. Well, I, I love that I picked Scheffler in one of the four events that he's played and he won two of the other three. So that's fun. Yeah, it's tough, actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm there gonna, with you, man. I'm gonna outsource my pick this week to my to my four children. I'm gonna let them pick. Uh that's, honestly, that seems like a good strategy. That's a, that's the state of that's the state of desperation that I'm in. No, it was a fun week. Like I said, great 10-day stretch for for, for, for the PGA Tour. Uh, Bay Hill is, you know, it was, I thought last year was more exciting with the, all the Bryson stuff, but today was great because of Scheffler. And then, go ahead. Yes or no, does Bryson play next week? No. I am also on the no side. I have heard it's not as close as he purports it to be. I, I, I heard Augusta. Okay, we're on the same maybe. Page. Maybe Phil and Bryson just show up at playing a practice round on Monday at Augusta together. Like, oh, they're back. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, so this is good. Good ten week stretch, ten day stretch, and a good ten week stretch. I'm officially declaring it Players Week. Let's we're go. Moving on. We're there. I'm in. Can't wait. Starting starting right now. Big thanks to producer Jacob. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there, Kyle Porter. You can find him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time.